following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They do a good job. All right, here we are. Last day of the year. How you feeling out there? You know, you know, uh, this is not going to be an easy year for me to say goodbye to because I flat out have enjoyed 2017. I used to, every year our pastors back home when I was a kid would always say, let's throw this old year away. I think tomorrow this needs to be a continuation of what God's already started in this year with us. Amen? I think that. I think we all just move forward. Now here's what I want you, I want you to eat your black eyed peas tomorrow. Make sure you eat your black-eyed peas, and if you're going to eat that, make sure you get a little cornbread. You've got to have a little cornbread, and when you do that, get a little butter. And when you do that, you know, get you a little, uh, little ham hock in there, you know, uh, get a little ham hock and get it going. Just eat, just get you some soul food tomorrow, because tomorrow's going to be a football day, and all you women will have to get out from in front of the TV, because tomorrow is the men's watching football day. Oh, I got an amen on that. <laughs> well, today is a, today's a, a, a good day for me because the day the Cowboys will get beat for the last time this year. <laughs> and I won't have to put up with DVRing them anymore to go home and see how bad they got beat again. So, what a great day. But it is a wonderful, wonderful time to be alive in this world. Amen. God is good. And uh, we're going to preach a little bit of the gospel here to you today. But before I do, I want, I want Patty Winslet over here to stand. I'm going to give her honor today. Everybody, Sister Patty, would you stand? Patty Winslet has been, just a second, just hold your applause. Patty Winslet has been our ladies' director since 2010. And uh, here, here's the thing that lo- I love about Patty. Here's what I love about Patty. She has done this without having a whole body. She has, she has done this without having a whole body like many of us have. Her ability to walk is hampered and there, her pain comes again and again and again. But she rises up, she comes to the house of God, she does her business and she does her business great for the kingdom of God. And I think that that needs a stellar hand clap of appreciation of love to a lady, to a lady that just absolutely does it, does it rocks it. She's like a sister to me and I want to, I want to praise her today. I want to praise her today. I really did. And you may be seated. You're wonderful people. God bless you. It's an honor to preach the gospel to you today. Now I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, but I'm also, I'm going to be real sweet today as I challenge you. I just want, I want to, I want to pour something into your spirit. If you're a guest here today, uh, please understand that this crowd is hampered by two things, holidays and this weather today. But you know what? Today's going to be good compared to what tomorrow's going to be. Tomorrow's going to be a beast. At, at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get up and make sure it's that way. I'm going to measure it. It's supposed to be 9 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning. And it's supposed to warm up to a high of 27 or something like that tomorrow. But we're going to survive because y'all have heat? <laughs> All right. If you don't, just come to my house and we'll, we'll light a furnace or something. Would you stand? You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. I heard a story about 
a doctor and a banker and a preacher went deer hunting. And uh, when they got out there in the woods, this big old buck walked out. It happened this year. Big old buck walked out in the middle of the in the middle of the clearing, and all three of them leveled their rifles at the same time. And simultaneously, it's almost like they counted, they all shot at the same time. And of course, the deer went down. He got hit by three shells. And so everybody got to fussing because he had a big rack. Everybody got to fussing who was going to be the one to claim him. And so the doctor said, you know what, I'll go out and make the physical examination. I'll go examine him because I'm a doctor, I do that kind of stuff. So he runs out there to the deer and he comes back and he said, the preacher shot him. And the preacher started clapping his hands and said, how'd you know that, doc? He said, because a bullet went in this ear and out this ear. That's a good story. I don't care. It's on me, but that's a good story. That bullet went in one ear and out the other one. I want to speak today on the subject, have you crossed over Jordan? Have you crossed over Jordan? Have you walked across the Jordan? It's important that you make that step in your life. Turn to someone and say, I want to help the pastor preach today. And you may be seated. God bless you. You may be seated. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let me give you just a quick Bible lesson here. You've got to learn to distinguish between that which is written to us and that which is written for us. There's a difference. Not all Bible is directed to us, but it is all for us. Paul wrote in Ephesians, in the epistle, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation to which you were called. Ephesians is an epistle, and it is written to you and me. It's for the church. In contrast, Joshua wrote and said this in Joshua 1 and 11, within three days you shall pass over this Jordan. And I hope you make arrangements to cross over the river Jordan because if you know anything about Christianity, we've always considered the Jordan, that old river, that we all have to cross over on our way from this world to the next world. And I hope it's more than three days away in your life right now. I hope you're making arrangements, but not now, but a long way off. But I It's not preaching to us about a physical Jordan, but it does mean a real lesson, a spiritually rich lesson does lie here for us. So today, I want to ask you this question, have you crossed over Jordan? The Israelites came out of Egypt after 430 years, and Moses' rod touched the Red Sea, and the waters parted. They walked across on dry ground under a cloud, came out on the other side, and the Egyptians followed them, and the, and the waters came back together and drowned the Egyptians. And for the next 40 years, what should have been an 11-day journey took them 40 years, but the next 40 years they wandered in a wilderness. And finally, after wandering for that long space of a time, they came to the brink of the promised land. They came to Canaan's shore. But when they got to the east side of the river, Two and a half of the tribes came up to Moses in Numbers chapter 32 and he was alive 
And he made this, they made this request to him, and I paraphrase. Reuben and Gad were two of the tribes, and half the tribe of Manasseh was the other tribe. And they, they had a multitude of cattle. They were cattle raisers, and they saw the land of Jazer, and they saw the land of Gilead, and it was good for cattle. So they spoke to Moses, and they spoke to Eleazar, the high priest, and the leaders of the congregation, and said, If we have found favor or grace in your sight, let us have this land as a possession. We don't want to cross Jordan. We don't want to go across. And one half of the tribe of Manasseh joined them. Kind and gentle Moses. In fact, the Bible called him one of the most humble men in the Bible. He said, if this is what you want, if you want the east bank of Jordan, it's all right. But I have to ask, when we do cross over, we know there's going to be battles because there's giants in the land. We know they don't want to give up their property. We'll have to fight. Would you mind coming and help us fight and then go back to where you are after the battle's over? And they agreed. Not only agreed, but they made good the promise. Because in Joshua chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, I'm not putting it on the screen, I'm just paraphrasing it. To the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe Manasseh, Joshua spoke saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass over and bring your men of valor and help us. And they answered Joshua saying, all the commands we will do and whatever you send us and wherever you send us, we will go. So they honored their, they honored their promise. So I know you're asking right now, pastor, what's wrong? What's wrong with this dwelling on the east side of the Jordan River? Is it imperative, pastor, to cross over the river into Canaan? Is not the east bank of the Jordans just as much a part of the promised land as the other side? Pertinent questions, and they need to be answered. See, there are some important historical facts in connection with the crossing of the Jordan. The crossing of the Jordan was different than the crossing of the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, Moses just smote the water with his rod, and all that night the waters rolled back as a strong east wind blew. But when they got to the Jordan River to cross in Joshua chapter 3, it was a greater miracle. Because it was the time of flood stage. Waters were running over the banks of the Jordan River. And that water was dumping on down into the Dead Sea. And, and there was a command that said, When you see the ark of the covenant of your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then remove from the place that you are and go after it. But then something new has been added. The ark is to go far down ahead of the people, almost a mile. They could, they could hardly even see it even on level land, who come to the edge of the Jordan River. And when they came to the edge of the river, the priest who carried the ark, by the way, the ark was 2,000 pounds, eight men carried it. But I read history that said when they picked it up, it was like the Lord helped them. It was light as a feather because it was the glory of the Lord sitting on them. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so they go to the edge of the river and they put their foot in the water in 315. And when they place their foot in the water, the water start rolling back. And the river rolls 17 miles back upstream to the city of Adam. And the, and the water that has come through is dissipated on down to the Dead Sea. And there was dryness for them to walk over the land on. And it was a great miracle. The greatest, I don't know if it's the greatest, I think the greatest miracle of the Old Testament was when Joshua commanded the sun to stand still, and it never has moved anyhow. The earth rotates. But he commanded the sun to stand still, and God knew his intention and caused the sun to stand still for about a day. I think that was a pretty cool miracle. 
because it has been proven by science that that actually happened. God is a miracle God. Do you believe that? And by the way, has God done anything for you this year that could just rank up there with the parting of the waters and the sun standing still? Hadn't God been good to us this year? He's a great God. So Jordan's river was crossing was awesome. It was in this river, the same river that Elijah's mantle smote it one day and it parted for him. It was in this same river that Elisha took the mantle of Elijah and smote that same water and it parted for him. It was in this same river that a man who was captain of the Syrian army had leprosy one day and the prophet told him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And he went and dipped seven times and he was healed of his leprosy. And later it was our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was baptized in that water. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, if there's no other reason in the world to go down in water baptism, do it because Jesus did it. Whatever he did, we need to do it. Come on, do it because Jesus did it. If you've never been water baptized, you need to be water baptized because Jesus is our example. And he who knew no sin was water baptized. And on this day, the priest moved to the center of the Jordan River and stood there holding the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulder as the children of Israel passed over. Now, i got to tell you, folks, it takes a long time for three million people to walk past. It's not like you and your family going by. It's like three million people. But it is a representation, a type, the first real type of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Because where that Ark went, the glory of the Lord went. And it was a box. And in that box was a symbol of the presence of God. And when that box showed up, the enemy feared. And when that box walked with Israel, Israel was blessed. And it's an amazing thing for all day long, perhaps all night long, perhaps all the next day, those priests probably rotated, but they held that ark in the middle, the very middle of the Jordan River, and all the people went by. All the people went by. The ark had been the heart of the camp for all the 40 years, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, all the 12 tribes had camped around it. But at the Jordan... Christ, the ark, went ahead of the people. Oh, I'm fixing to preach, folks. Went ahead of the people and stood there and all the people passed by. And what they were doing when they passed by was simply this. I'm identifying myself with what's in that box. I'm identifying my family with what's there. I'm going to cross over because I couldn't get this dry land by myself. But because I walked behind something that opened up the waters when the priests put their foot on the water. I can have clear sailing to the other side. I promise you, there is a Jesus that I'm preaching about today that doesn't need our help with salvation. He took it on himself at a place called Calvary. And while they walked by in mass that day, he still hanged there for a space of six hours. But when they walked by, they saw something that made them say, surely this was the Son of God. I want to leave 2017 saying that this church is under the canopy and under the umbrella of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. That's what I want to leave this year claiming in my heart and in my spirit. Come on, clap your hands real big. The Red Sea speaks of redemption. The River Jordan speaks of sanctification. And the death of Christ was for our sanctification. Sanctification means to purify or free from sin, to make productive or conducive to spiritual blessing, or, the, or the, to entitle to reverence or to respect. The Phillips translation of Romans 6 says it this way. Now what is our response, what, what, what is our response to be? 
Shall we send to our heart's content and see how far we can exploit the grace of God? What a ghastly thought. We who had died to sin, how could we live in sin a moment longer? Now when did we die to sin? Have you forgotten that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were by this very action sharing in his death? We were dead and buried with him in baptism so that just as he was raised from the dead by the splendid revelation of the Father's power so we too might rise to life on a new plane all together. Everybody say we were were dead when we were baptized but we arose as he arose to a newness of life. I'm going to revisit that in a little while. But in Joshua chapter 4, let me preach a little bit. When the people were passed over Jordan. The Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, Joshua, I want you to get 12 men, a man from every tribe, and I want them to go to the middle of the water, middle where the water was, and I want them to pick up 12 stones. And I want them to bring those stones to the west side, the west bank of the Jordan River, and put them down. And while they're putting those down, Joshua, I want you to take 12 stones and put them back in the river right where the priests are standing, or were standing. And then when the water comes over it, I want that water to cover and those rocks will be hidden there for the rest of their days. What he was saying was simply this, Joshua, I want the men that have walked across this river to pick up stones that represent my resurrection from the wilderness to a new beginning. I want you to pick up a stone and say, I've been resurrected from just a wilderness life to an abundant life. And while they're doing that, I want you to put some stones back in the river to remind them forever that hidden under that water is the death and the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to come into their life. Because, folks, we are not here today by ourselves. We are here because somebody took a price for us on a place called Calvary. Can somebody help me preach right now and rejoice on this last day of the year? We're here because of him. Oh, I want to preach it now. Then, in, then, then, then let, me, let me clarify Romans 6. Let me go back to it. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. We are identified with him in his death. The word baptize in that Romans 6 was transliterated and not translated. In the Greek, it's the word baptizo. And it speaks of identification. But baptizo also means to, to put under or to dunk or to put under. But baptizo is a stronger word in the Greek than it is baptized in the English. Because baptizo, you got to get this folks is that we are identified with Christ in his death, and when he died, he died for us. His death was our death. When he was resurrected, we were resurrected, and we have become identified with him. Here's what I want to preach today. When the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, they became citizens of Palestine. They became citizens of Palestine. When they walked into that area of the country it was a new day for them and they became citizens when we walked into the ramification of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord we became citizens of another country we became citizens of another country and I declare to you right now in my heart today I don't want to just see people get water baptized and come out the same way they went in 
I want them to get baptized. <laughs> so when they come out, they're going to identify and say, I'm no longer who I was. Now I'm a child of God. Now I walk under his leadership. Now he's my Lord and my God. Now he's everything to me. We need to be identified with him and not just buried with him. I'm identified a lot of ways in this town. I go down to Starbucks every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, Starbucks are my buddies. And I got Starbucks on my, car, on, my, on, my, on my phone. I got Starbucks cards. And I've got money to spend. So I can get them three ways. But I go down about 645 every Sunday morning right here on the corner. What are you having today? I said, I want a, a tall white mocha with skim and no whip. I save all those calories for Bluebell. And the next thing I hear is, come on up, Rex, we got it. That's my identity. I'm identified at Starbucks by a tall white mocha with skim and no whip. I like that. And I like the fact that when I walk the streets of this city, I'm not identified as myself. I'm identified as a child of the king. I have citizenship in another world. A world that I hadn't even visited yet, but I've got citizenship because a long time ago I chose to cross over the Jordan. And I chose to walk past a place called Calvary. And I said, I want him in my life and I want my life hid in him. And when I made that choice in my life, I promise you, it changed everything about me. I am glad to be called a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice to that. Hallelujah. Ephesians says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love in, with which he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, of his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. But there were two and a half tribes of Israel that did not cross over the Jordan. And there's a couple of things I want to say about that in just a little while. But in chapter 22 of Joshua, let me get to a point here and then I'm going to, I'm going to preach to you a little. Joshua commended them, those two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh. And, and Joshua says in 22, you did well with what you were asked to do by Moses. We thank you for that. You obeyed not only his voice but my voice. You fought with the brethren. Then he warned them, take heed, verse 5, to do the commands in the law which Moses charged you, and that's to love the Lord your God, and that's to walk in his ways, and that's to keep his commandments and cleave to him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. It's pretty good stuff that Moses laid out there for him. And then Joshua dismissed him with a blessing. And then in 22 and 10, when he got through blessing them, and when they came to the borders of the Jordan, this is those two and a half tribes, they are in the land of, that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, a great altar to see. Everybody say a great altar to see. Up till now, all seemed well. But as they came to the river and started to cross over back to their east side living, they saw that this river was going to separate them from the other nine and a half tribes. So... They built an altar on the west side of the Jordan. These two and a half tribes did. Stay with me now. It's odd. They lived on the east side of the river, but they built an altar on the west side of the river. 
That's an odd thing to do, don't you think? Live in Austin and build an altar in Bastrop. Live in Dallas and build an altar in Fort Worth. That'd be a, that'd be a, that'd be a unique thing to do. It'd kind of be one that would be kind of out of your range. However, many people thought, many theologians thought that they built it on the east side, but they didn't. They had just departed from Joshua. They were headed back and they stopped on the west bank. And they approved this by finding ruins several years ago. And they built an altar on the west side and yet they lived on the east side. I want to talk to people today. I want to speak to you very kindly today. You don't need an altar that far from your life, number one. And you don't need to live on one side of the river and have your altar on the other side of the river. If your altar is that great, you need to get on the same side of the river that your altar's on. You need to live where your altar is. Don't be separated from what your intentions are by the path that you're on right now. Can I preach to you a little bit? And there's a reason why this was a bad thing to do because the Bible calls this altar to, uh, to, see, to, to see to. In other words, it's, a, it's an altar just to view. It was an altar great to sight. It was built on the west side, visible from a great distance. The East Bank children could look across and see the altar on the West Bank and somehow it gave them a sense of feeling that they were joined to the other side. Thus to them the altar seemed a bridge for their separation. But... It was not a bridge because this altar, folks, let me, let me fast forward, never had blood shed on it. There was never a sacrifice given on this altar. It was just an altar to look at. It was just an altar to see. Let me preach a little bit here now. I'm not getting on you, but let me preach a little bit. I think some of you that have been living on the east side and watching what God's been doing over here on the west side, I think you need to join us and come on across the river this year in 2018 and say, Pastor, I'm tired of just watching from afar. I'm tired of not being involved in what God's doing at Christian Life Church. I'm tired of coming and just seeing an, an altar and just viewing an altar from my view. I'm ready to step across the Jordan. I'm ready to come into the presence of what God has for me and my family. I want to be a part of what God's doing for the church, not just to view it, but to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. I want to be a part of what God's doing in 2018. But here's the sad part. When the people that had gone across the nine and a half tribes heard that there's an altar built that was just a viewing altar and not a, not a, not a sacrifice altar. When they realized that they, they wanted to go to war against these two and a half tribes. Brothers wanted to fight brothers. And so they came, and the natural reaction was that they judged the two and a half tribes were trying to divide the nation in verse 16. And the whole congregation said, What trespass is this that ye have committed against God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, and that you have built you an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord? And it brought a stigma to the children of God. And they said, we want to know what you're doing in building this altar. And Reuben and Gad and Manasseh answered, The Lord God is our God. And the Lord God is God over, over us. And he knows, and Israel shall know, if this is a rebellion or a transgression against the Lord, don't save us today. And in fact, they said, we did not build the altar in order to divide the nation. Present day, it's easy to criticize people who don't agree with us sometime. And, and I don't want to be critical of you today. But I want to tell you something. 
I'm going to preach in just a little bit that there's only one altar that God honors. And that's the altar that God honors. Is the one. And it's the altar where the blood is shed. It's a place called Calvary. It's a place called Calvary. And when Calvary is in your life, oh hallelujah. When Calvary is in your life, all these other altars that you think are important don't really matter anymore. In fact, in verse 34 of 22 of, of Joshua, they named that altar Ed. 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 That was the name of the altar. That's a, that's a neat name. That's my brother's name, Ed. Eddie was my brother's name. Can you imagine naming an altar Ed? Not the altar of the Lord, but Ed. We got God's altar and we got Ed. We got God's altar and we got Ed. It sounds silly, but I want it to sound silly to you because I want you to know any altar outside the cross of Jesus Christ is only an Ed. It's just an Ed. Nothing matters outside the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I preach to you today? Nothing matters outside the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not here. We didn't, we, we didn't get redeemed by silver and gold, precious metals. We didn't get redeemed that way. We got redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to declare that there's only one altar, and that altar is the blood of Jesus that was shed at a place called Calvary. And so I preach the cross today on this last day. I preach the cross, and I want you to understand that some of us, don't need to just follow an altar great to sight. We need to follow the altar where Jesus bled and died. Because that's the one that is going to count in the end. So have you crossed the Jordan? Have you come across it? Have you given the Lord freedom in your life? Have you opened up your heart to him? Have you said, Lord... I'm tired of just serving you from a distance. I'm tired of being on the east bank and looking over here, seeing all the miracles on the west side. I'm ready to start following you. I'm ready to start going after you. I'm ready to chase after you, Lord. I want what you have for me. I'm tired of putting my, my trust in this and my trust in this. I put my trust in that and it's failed me. But the preacher says, if I put my trust in you, you'll never fail me. Amen. Don't let that go in one ear and out the other, okay? Hallelujah. Don't let me shoot you in the ear today. Let me hit your heart. It's time. If there ever was a day that we make a dedication and a commitment for 2018, today's the day to say, I'm going to cross over. I'm going to come under the canopy and under the rulership and under the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the day it happened to me, guys. I remember when it happened. I remember when I submitted to this thing called ministry and I said, you know what? I don't care if people make fun of me, if people talk about me, if people accuse me of being over-emotional. I don't care. I'm going to be identified with Jesus Christ the rest of my life. And some of us need to make that decision today. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not, it's not about salvation. It's about commitment. It's not about him just being a savior. It's him being Lord of your life. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. God has an altar. And that altar was found at a place called Calvary. The altar of God is very important to God. It spoke of our Christ. It was a place of sacrifice. And it was not just a to see altar. It was where the blood of the Lamb was slain. Now let me close. Did it bring division? Yes, it did. Ed brought a division. The altar Ed brought a division to the children of Israel. It did. Because all of a sudden, 12 tribes, 12 tribes now become 10 of the northern kingdom and 2 of the southern kingdom. 
And those ten tribes in the northern kingdom became the lost tribes because they intermarried and became so, so integrated with the world that they lost their Jewish blood. And it became a division. And it was built one day on the east side of the Jordan River. That's what brought the division of the Jewish kingdom and the Hebrew kingdom. Here's what I want to tell you. Altars outside the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ will bring division in your family. It'll bring division in your heart. It'll bring division in your life. Because we need to make a commitment today. And I'm preaching it without emotion. But we need to make a commitment today to say, you know what? Jesus is going to be everything to me. He's going to be my rock star. He's going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords of my life. And I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life. You've got to do that. You've got to do that in your life. I find it amazing. I find it amazing that when Jesus' ministry took place in this world, one day He traveled by boat to a place called Gadara. Gadara. The Gadarenes. And there was a man there who was violently, violently possessed by the devil. That man had a legion. His name was Legion because he had probably 2,000 spirits in him. But when he saw Jesus come on the shore, he ran to him and fell down and worshiped him. And Jesus cast those spirits out of that man. And those spirits said, put us in the hogs, put us in the pigs. And Jesus put him, those, those spirits in those pigs and they jumped over a cliff and drowned themselves. And there were 2,000 pigs that were destroyed that day. Now watch this. And the people of the community in chapter verse 17 came out and prayed that he'd leave their coast. He'd walk away from them. Can I tell you what the Gadarenes were? You know, you know who that was? That was Gad. That was the tribe of Gad. They had gotten so far away from the altar of God because they built their own Ed altar that now they were dealing in pigs and Jews didn't even have anything to do with pigs but they were dealing in the pig business. And when they lost 2,000 they said we'd rather you leave than to let our pigs be destroyed by you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It may not happen tomorrow, but schisms come when you don't bow at the altar called the cross of Jesus Christ. Schisms come in your life, and things will happen in your life, and all of a sudden you'll say, wow, how'd that happen? It's just a little inch here, a little inch here. Why don't you just go ahead and make a statement today and say, as for me and my house, that Joshua said in 24, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to serve. I don't know what you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord in our life. Randy, if you'll help me. I find it very difficult. I find it very difficult. Very difficult. To believe that hand-picked men of Jesus. Hand-picked men. One of them decided to build his altar on the west side and live on the east side. His name was Judas. And for three and a half years, three and a half years, guys, he saw at least 37 miracles. He saw at least 37 miracles. That's how many is in the Bible besides the one of Jesus raising himself from the dead or the Father raising the, Jesus from the dead. He saw 37 miracles. He was there when Jesus touched the widows. He was there when he raised the dead. He was there when he opened the blind eyes. He was there. But he never caught it. He never caught it that this was Messiah. This was, this is the man. This is who I need to put over my life. And it came down to the Last Supper one day and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. Tonight I'll be betrayed. And they went around the room and every one of them said, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? When it came to Judas, he said, is it I, Master? Is it I, Master? 
Jesus never became his Lord, only his master. And I think it's a sad day when all your relationship with the Lord is just what you have to do for him to please him. Why don't you just live for him like he's Lord of your life today? Why don't you walk out of here and be identified as one of them? Why don't your speech betray you like Pete's did at the fireplace the night that Jesus was tried? They said, you're one of them. He said, I'm not. They said, yes, you are because you talk like them. You're a Galilean. Why don't we walk out of here talking like Christians? Why don't we walk out of here acting like Christians? Why don't we walk out of here into the restaurants and be Christians? Why don't we win people to God because we just walk under a different banner than the world walks under? Why don't that happen in 2018? Can you clap for Jesus, not for the preacher? Come on, for the Lord here today. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So, Titus says it this way. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. You can't get good enough to get God. But according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, he saved us. He saved us. Everybody say, it's his mercy. It's his grace. He saved us. There are a lot of great people right now who think that if your doctrine is pure, then your life is also pure. But many people think if your doctrine is pure, your life can also be impure and you're all right because you've got the right doctrine. And there's great many people today saying that if your theology is straight, your practice can be crooked, but that's not true. You need to be identified. Everybody say identified with Christ. People need to know when you walk up that smile is not just yours. It belongs to him. That joy that you have in your life is not just yours, it's His, and you just borrowed it. Because our righteousness are filthy rags, but He's imputed His righteousness into us. I love Him. And on this last, last day of the year, I think it would behoove us. I think it would make me real happy, and I know it would make the Lord real happy. If we could stand to our feet today, in just a moment, we can stand to our feet today and raise our hands all over this house and just tell him, Lord, I'm not going to worship at any other altar in 2018. I'm going to worship at your altar. I'm going to walk past the cross every day. I'm going to walk past it, and I'm going to walk out and know that I have been resurrected because you came out of the grave. I can live a resurrected life. And I think we need to do that today. I think we all need to repeat that today. We all need to say that today. And if you don't feel like it, that's all right. I'm like Moses. You can do what you want to do. But I just, I sure would love for you to come to this side of the river. I'd like for you to cross over Jordan. I really, really do. I'd like for you to because I think this side's a whole lot better. It's a brand new, more abundant life on this side. Would you stand all over the house? I love you very much. You're a great audience, and it's been a, a cold day, and it's a holiday, and it's hard preaching day, but you've been very responsive to the word of the Lord today. And I love you, and I want to tell you that. So if you want to raise your hands at half mast or three quarters mast or full mast, whatever, 
It's your call. It's not my call. I want you, I want you, to, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I refuse to be two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side. I want to cross over Jordan. I want to pass Cal. I want to go past Calvary. I want to see and feel and know that I am your child today. And I receive you into my life as my Lord. Not my master, but my Lord. You are my Lord today. And I love you, Lord, with all my heart. Let me tear down every other altar in my life that I have built. And let me worship at yours because you're the Savior and you're the Lord of my life. And I honor you today in Jesus' name. Now clap your hands real big. Amen. Clap your hands.